0: runs 10,000 years from the Cro-Magnons beside the melting ice to the maternity wards of the here and now by calling it the Holocene Epoch, with the implication that this is our time and place. And the Pleistocene, the Ice Age, is all behind us. The Holocene appears to be nothing more than a relatively deglaciated interval. It will last until a glacier two miles thick plucks up Toronto and deposits it in Tennessee. If that seems unlikely, it is only because the most southerly reach of the Pleistocene ice fields to date stopped 75 miles shy of Tennessee. Anita Harris is a geologist who does not accept all that is written in that paragraph. She's cool toward aspects of plate tectonics, the novel theory of the earth that explains mountain belts and volcanic islands, ocean ridges and abyssal plains, the deep earthquakes of Alaska and the shallow earthquakes of a fault like the San Andreas as components of a unified narrative wherein the shell of the earth is divided into segments of varying size, which separate to form oceans, collide to make mountains, and slide by one another, causing buildings to fall. In a revolutionary manner, plate tectonic theory burst forth in the 1960s, and Anita Harris is worried now that the theory is taught perhaps too glibly in schools. In her words, it's important for people to know that not everybody believes in it. In many colleges, it's all they teach. The plate tectonics boys move continents around like crazy. They publish papers every year revising their conclusions. They say that a continental land mass up against the eastern edge of North America produced the Appalachians. I know about some of the geology there, and what they say about it is wrong. I don't say they're wrong everywhere. I'm open-minded. Too often, though, plate tectonics is oversimplified and overapplied. I get all heated up when some sweet young thing with three geology courses tells me about global tectonics, never having gone on a field trip to look at a rock. As she made these comments, she was traveling west on Interstate 80 approaching Indiana on a gray April morning. She had brought me along to do geology, as geologists like to say, to see the countryside as she discerned it. Across New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Ohio, she had been collecting, among other things, limestones and dolomites for their contained conodonts. Index fossils from the Paleozoic whose extraordinary utility in oil and gas exploration had been her discovery, with the result that Mobil and Chevron, Amoco and Arco, Chinese and Norwegians, had appeared at her door. She was driving, and she wore a railroad engineer's striped hat, a wool shirt, blue jeans, and old split hiking boots hydrochloric acid for testing limestones and dolomites in a file in a case on her hip. With her high cheekbones, her assertive brown eyes, her long dark hair in twin ponytails, she somehow suggested an American aborigine. Of middle height, early middle age, she had been married twice. First to a northern Appalachian geologist and now to a southern Appalachian geologist. She was born on Coney Island and grew up in a tenement in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. There was not a little flatbush in her manner, soul, and speech. Her father was Russian, and his name in the old country was Herschel Litvak. In Brooklyn he called himself Harry Fishman, and sometimes Harry Block. According to his daughter, English names meant nothing to Russian Jews in Brooklyn. She grew up Fishman and became in marriage Epstein and Harris, signing her geology with her various names and imparting some difficulty to followers of her professional papers. With her permission, I will call her Anita and let the rest of the baggage go. Straightforwardly, as a student... She went into geology because geology was a means of escaping the ghetto. "'I knew that if I went into geology, I would never have to live in New York City,' she once said to me. "'It was a way to get out.' She was nineteen years old when she was graduated from Brooklyn College. She remembers how pleased and astounded she was to learn that she could be paid for walking around in mountains.' Paid now by the United States Geological Survey, she has walked uncounted mountains. After the level farmlands of northwestern Ohio, the interstate climbed into surprising terrain. Surprising enough to cause Anita to suspend her attack on plate tectonics. Hills appeared. They were steep in pitch. The country resembled New England a confused and thus beautiful topography of forested ridges and natural lakes, stone fences, bunkers and bogs, cobbles and boulders under maples and oaks. Indiana. Rough and semi-mountainous, this corner of Indiana was giving the hummocky lie to the reputed flatness of the Middle West. Set firmly on the Craton the stable interior craton, unstirring core of the continent, the whole of Middle America is structurally becalmed. Its basement is coated with layers of rock that are virtually flat and have never experienced folding, let alone upheaval. All the more exotic, then, were these abrupt, disordered hills. Evidently superimposed, They almost seemed to have been created by the state legislature to relieve Indiana. Not until the 19th century did people figure out whence such terrain had come, and how, and why. Look close at those boulders and you'll see a lot of strangers, Anita remarked. Red Jasper conglomerates, granite gneiss, basalt. None of those are from anywhere near here. They're Canadian. They have been transported hundreds of miles. The ice sheets of the present era, in their successive spreadings overland, have borne immense freight. Rock they pluck up, shear off, rip from the country as they move. They grind much of it into gravel, sand, silt, and clay. When the ice melts, it gives up its cargo, dumping it by the trillions of tons— The most recent advance has been called the Wisconsinan Ice Sheet because its effects are well displayed in Wisconsin. Its effects, for all that, are not unimpressive in New York. The glacier dumped Long Island where it is, nearly 100% of Long Island, and Nantucket and Cape Cod, and all but the west end of Martha's Vineyard. Wherever the ice stopped and began to melt back, it signed its retreat with terminal moraines, huge accumulations of undifferentiated rock, sand, gravel, and clay. The ice stopped at Perth Amboy, Metuchen, North Plainfield, Madison, Morristown, leaving a sinuous, morainal, lobate line that not only connects these New Jersey towns, but keeps on going to the Rocky Mountains." West of Morristown, old crystalline rock from the earth's basement, long ago compressed, distorted, and partially melted, driven upward and westward in the Appalachian upheavals, stands now in successive ridges, which are called the New Jersey Highlands. They trend northeast-southwest. With a notable exception, they have discouraged east-west construction of roads. When the last ice sheet set down its terminal moraine, it built causeways from one ridge to another, on which Interstate 80 rides west. Over the continent, the ice had spread southward about as evenly as spilled milk.